Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Answers a lot. I, I, I don't know, but that's tricky. I can't answer a question about conspiracy theories right now doing this interview. <laughs> Hi, I'm Madison Malone Kircher. And I'm Rachel Hampton, and you're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it, Slate's podcast about internet culture. Madison, in Taylor Swift parlance, are you out of the woods? I am in the clear yet. Yes, I spent a lovely, blissful weekend in the wilderness, uh, in the Catskills, with absolutely no cell phone service and some grilled cheese, and it was really lovely. Highly wow. recommend. Humble brag. Somebody's a rich bitch. I mean, they were craft singles, Rachel. Mm-hmm. You probably had them fancy Trader Joe's American cheese singles. Craft singles, individually plastic packaged. <laughs> I did put a little cheddar on there too, but you have to put mm-hmm. the American on because the American uh-huh. cheese has citric acid in it and that's how you get that good cheese pull mm-hmm. chemistry. You know what this sounds like? Rich bitch shit. Anyway, <laughs> since you were in the woods, in the clear, not on the internet, I feel like you missed some shit. So on Saturday morning, a comedian by the name of Aquafina, are you familiar? I am indeed. I just watched Shang-Chi the other night. Hmm. Yeah, Nora Lum posted a notes app apology on her Twitter, addressing the criticisms of her using a black scent or appropriating black culture and performances. These accusations of appropriation and of putting on a black scent come up every few years, like after her performance in Crazy Rich Asians. Yo, chickens are bitches, dude. And I'm not a chicken. You're not a chicken. You gonna roll up to that wedding. You gonna be like, bok, bok, bitch. Bok, bok, bitch. Chickens are bitches. (laughs) But apparently the reason it's coming up in 2022 is because she was nominated for NAACP Image Award for her voiceover work in Raya and the Last Dragon. And importantly, the NAACP doesn't exclusively nominate Black actors. That's, I think, a misconception. So this isn't new, but I think the... Uh, dissonance, let's say, of Aquafina's history with the Black community and an NAACP image award really struck some people. Clearly, and then she decided to wait until February, Black History Month, to uh, to take to the Notes app. Whoever created the Notes app didn't ask for this. But so she has four screenshots. She tweets them. She does them with them on Instagram. Fascinating choice. And she basically tries to I guess, contextualize, recite the importance of Black culture in America and how Asian Americans are still establishing their own unique American identity and how the internet and hip-hop have made African-American vernacular English more mainstream. And I am just tired describing this to you. And I haven't even gone to the actual Notes app apology. (laughs) 
The thing is, she never once actually apologizes for what she does. She she just says, and I quote, and this is going to be a dramatic reading, because the one thing Aquafina does that more Notesap apologies should do is take advantage of the fact that the Notesap now has a lot of different features in terms of formatting. You can bold, you can italicize, you can underline. All right, let's hear let's hear the bold. She says, as a non-black POC. I stand by the fact that I will always listen and work tirelessly to understand the history and context of AVE, what is deemed appropriate or backwards toward the progress of any and every marginalized group. But I must emphasize to mock, belittle, or to be unkind in any way possible at the expense of others is this is all bolded and underlined. Simply, period, not, period, my, period, nature, period. It never has and it never was. Sounds like kind of a long, uh, long way to say I'm not racist. Yeah. Also, what's funny, I think the funniest thing about this entire apology is that she describes um, racism or appropriation as done by the dominant group towards the marginalized group, which is a really funny way of getting around the fact that she has been appropriating and that she's like, I'm not white. So it's not as bad as a white person did it. But the thing is, it's not just Aquafina who does this. There's a long history of Asian Americans appropriating AVE to build a brand for themselves. I'm thinking of uh, Timothy De La Ghetto, um, Lily Singh, aka Superwoman, um, a YouTuber by the name of Niga Higa, which I'm sure you can figure out where exactly that name is, is supposed to be. And it partially comes out of this desire to build an American identity which is understandable, but it ends up just appropriating and reducing Black culture down to words that they don't really understand the context or use of. But going back to Aquafina, this isn't the first time she's gone on an apology tour. Like last year, she gave this, I'm going to describe it as a non-answer, when asked about it at a press junket for Shang-Chi. Um, you know, I, I, I'm open to the conversation i think i think it you know it it's it it really is something that um i think is is a little bit multifaceted and and layered um and so yeah multifaceted layered you know what isn't in that statement any of the fucking accents she used to get famous with just sounds real midwest there Rachel, I'm really grateful for this context because I opened up TikTok when I got back to uh, my apartment and got cell service for the first time. And your favorite thing happened, which is I got served immediately a video that was like three times removed from the inciting incident. It was oh. like a response to a backlash part three of a series talking mm -hmm. about Aquafina and Aquafina's black sign and her apology. And, uh, this was this was very helpful in in, in uh, filling in the gaps between that video and where this originated. You're welcome for uh, my suffering. It's just eternally disappointing to hear these kind of empty platitudes, especially from somebody who like 
is always talking about how much respect they hold for black culture. Because if you did, maybe you would like sit down and shut up or at least have a real apology that includes the words, I'm sorry. But at the very least, she's not going to be on Twitter till 2024. So I guess some good came out of this. Oh, she's left Twitter? Her account is still there. But yeah, she said on the advice of her therapist, she will not be on Twitter for years. And now her bio says, tweets until 2024, posted by my social media team. Why did she choose the next presidential election? I don't know, but now I'm scared she's going to be running for office. (laughs) At the advice of her therapist. (laughs) You know who needs to be taking advice from their therapist? (laughs) If you say me, I'm leaving this recording. I mean, we have talked about the fact that perhaps we should all be taking advice from our therapist, but no, we're not talking about you. We're talking about Shailene Woodley and Aaron Rodgers once again. Yes, yes. Truly, truly. A a group of people who absolutely perhaps should harness the power of the bold, italicized, underlined notes (laughs) app apology. On the show today, we're talking about Shailene Woodley and Aaron Rodgers and their confusing relationship. You might remember from a while back, I did a high-speed download about a bizarre series of posts from Woodley about the size of Aaron Rodgers' feet and how particularly hirsute he is. Uh, But our guest today has gone far, far deeper than we ever could in just 60 seconds. Rachel Handler, a writer at New York Magazine, recently did an in-depth investigation into this unlikely duo's weird system of beliefs, how they quote-unquote agree to disagree, and why they are just two peas in a conspiratorial pod. After the break, we'll be back with Rachel Mee and Rachel Handler and Madison. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there, ICYMI guys. If you want to support the great journalism Slate does, please consider joining Slate Plus. Slate Plus means you'll get no ads on any podcasts, and it really does help keep all our shows going, including this one. We're having a good time. We hope you are too, and we want to keep at it. Uh, You'll also get bonus segments or episodes from shows like Slow Burn, Amicus, Mom and Dad are Fighting, and Big Mood, Little Mood, all that good stuff our colleagues are making. You'll also get unlimited reading on the Slate website, access to every article, and my fave, access to every advice column on Slate, and you'll never hit the paywall. Subscribe at slate.com slash ICYMI plus. All right, we are back with me, Madison, Rachel Hampton, she's always here, and Rachel Handler, who's uh, with us special today to talk all about Aaron Rodgers and Shailene Woodley. Rachel Handler, hello. Thank you so much for having me. You know, there's never, I I don't have an, I don't have enough time to talk about Aaron and Shailene. So I'm glad to have more time. I would like to state for our audience that is Rachel Handler, not Rachel Hampton. I am also getting confused by this, just so y'all know. (laughs) 
So now that we've established Rachel and Rachel, we're here for Shailene and Aaron because Rachel Handler, uh, you wrote this fantastic piece for Vulture. Uh, digging, digging is perhaps the wrong word, just like excavating to the core the relationship between these two people. How did you first get started researching this? So this actually began like in November. I think whenever they first, whenever the whole thing first happened with him being revealed as being unvaccinated, I was assigned to write like, you know, just sort of a what's going on here type piece. Um, so basically, yeah, when when that statement came out from uh, Shailene's publicist, uh, a.k.a. an anonymous source, that was like <laughs> they agreed to disagree about politics, which was so clearly just like a way to kind of very late swoop in and be like, she didn't even know he was, you know, that <laughs> whatever. Um, I was like, oh, this is the perfect sort of animating question for the piece. And I redid it a little bit with that as the center. Like, you know, what are they agreeing, agreeing to disagree on? They seem to have the same opinions on almost everything. For people who maybe haven't followed the story quite so closely, when you're talking about, you know, who made who an anti-vaxxer, who made who more woo-woo, could you characterize Shailene Woodley's persona? <laughs> Oh my. Well, I think the most important thing about her that we all immediately think of is that she suns her vagina, which I'm not against. Like, I think that's a great idea. If I had like a yard on the sun, I would definitely be sunning my vagina. Um, but I think she just is very, she was like doing goop stuff before goop was a thing. And now, and she was already going far beyond goop. Like she's very like into moon juice. She eats clay she is like big on like affirmations and, you know, mostly stuff that's like, I would say in like 2015 was harmless, but now has turned into like, you know, the Venn diagram of like anti-vax movement where there's like wellness people who are like, I'm not putting anything into my body. Um, and she hasn't, obviously she hasn't said anything about her vaccination status. And that's kind of why I wrote this, but like, there's a real sense that she, that her, her sort of anti-establishment natural medicine sort of persona has curdled into the anti-vex uh, movement. But this is just my theory because she just ha she has all the other characteristics, you know? Mm -hmm. I feel like the last thing I heard about Shailene Woodley's politics before I read your incredible piece was her getting arrested at the Dakota Access Pipeline, which, while great, does perfectly dovetail into the kind of wellness, woo-woo, I only eat from the earth, including clay, yeah. For unknown reasons. Yeah. I mean, she has, she's, she's had good politics. Like she, she you know, she supported Bernie and she, like you said, she, she's been arrested for protesting the access pipeline, things like that. But like she, I think over the years in, in the same way that we've watched so many like wellness influencers become like, there's mm -hmm. a point of no return, I think. And it seems like she's kind of reached that point where suddenly you go from like, I like um, eating vegan and I like wearing Vibrams to you know, I think that Trump is QAnon and like, um, you know, we're, the lizard people are coming for us. You know, there's just like a really, you just kind of can't come back from that. Not that she said that. I just think she's like on that path. <laughs> I feel like no one can come back from Vibrams, to be clear. Anyone who wears yeah. them is immediately sus. And for those who are unfamiliar, they're the, the toe shoes. Yes, yes. No one should see your defined toes in public unless you're wearing sandals. That's my opinion. So how far did your research go, Rachel? I think the best way I could describe this piece, and I do mean this as a compliment, is it is unhinged. Yes. How many YouTube videos and Instagram lives were you watching in the process of researching for this piece? 
I think I spent a good straight week, like seven, like five to seven days only looking at reading, watching videos about them, taking notes. My research document was very, I, I get really sort of intense about research and I fall into these rabbit holes and then I kind of come up for air and I'm like, oh, I have like 40 pages of notes. You know what I mean? Like that's just kind of my way. And I, and I did, I don't think I had 40 pages, but I was all the way back in Aaron Rodgers' Instagram for, for like 2013. And then I was like, what am I doing here? How did I, how is, how is this my life? Um, but I think, I think the sort of end point for me was I stopped doing that research in mostly in December. So I do think that there were a few trickling things that I missed. Like I know that she did an Instagram live with her uh, astrologist that I didn't watch the whole thing of. I had a drug line somewhere, you know? <laughs> so you said you didn't have 40 pages of notes, but I'm assuming you had a lot of notes and I'm curious as to what didn't make its way into the piece. What detailed sticks in your mind that you're like, man, if I had 2000 more words, I would have gone on a tangent about this. I was really fascinated by the, their, their relationship, their mutual and singular relationship with Jodie Foster, because I don't know where she fits in here. And this is what I'm saying. So Shailene was in um, the Mauritanian with Jodie Foster. And then weirdly, Jodie Foster and Aaron Rodgers have like some kind of online friendship where they like refer to each other in interviews and stuff. It's very weird. And and it seems like maybe Jodie Foster set them up, but there's no, again, I have no proof and no one has asked Jodie Foster if she set them up, but it does seem like they're one weird random link when you're like, why are they both so close to Jodie Foster? And what does she have to do with all this? Like, I love Jodie Foster. I don't want to ever think anything bad about Jodie Foster, but I have to imagine that, you know, cosmically there's something going on with Jodie Foster and the two of them. I don't know what it is. The title of the piece is What Do Aaron Rodgers and Shailene Woodley quote unquote agree to disagree about? And uh, obviously we will link this in the show notes and I truly cannot more highly recommend the fun that is reading this piece in full. But Rachel, I am going to posit that titular question back to you. <laughs> what do they agree to disagree about? I, I don't think they disagree about much except, well, it's hard to say because Aaron has been very vocal about his politics since again, since the like aforementioned curdling of wellness politics into like QAnon politics, he's been really vocal about, you know, he's, he, he likes Joe Rogan recently talked about the election being fraudulent. Like he's very obviously kind of like, here's my politics. Shailene hasn't said much since, since the whole Bernie situation. Like I think they probably like politically disagree about like who they voted for. Um, but other than that, I think they they seem to be very aligned. Like they both are kind of like a uh, stoner energy conspiracy theory, uh, you know, eating really well, talking to themselves in the mirror. I can see why they're dating. Like it makes total sense. So the last time we talked about Aaron Rodgers and Shailene Woodley was when there was a photo that Daily Mail had posted of this random man who was not actually Aaron Rodgers. And Shailene Woodley decided to take to her Instagram story to explain why this was not Aaron Rodgers, which for a brief list of reasons, his hands weren't hairy enough. His feet were not big enough. Obviously a dick reference. And this was her first reference to the whole unvaccinated saga, which making it about his dick is a choice. How does that fit in to this chronology that you've built? It's very important, actually, because it's the only public statement that Shailene has made about Aaron since 
his his you know scandal and and rather than speak about you know her own vaccine status or whatever like defending him as a human being she decided specifically to like take this one daily mail article about this guy who they were like Aaron Rodgers might be ranking quarantine and taking a picture of some random guy in the street and she's like this is not Aaron he has hairier hands and he has bigger hands and he has bigger feet lol like it was just a truly odd this was her moment to weigh in and that's what she did and i think that's very fascinating it's like it's both completely benign and very telling i think she's like oh this is my moment to defend him i can just say he didn't break quarantine and pick on this random dude and that was just i think very it was like a good insight into her psyche you a lot of the kind of evidence that was offered in this piece of there was an abundant amount of ep- evidence mm-hmm. um came from instagram lives and a, how many of those did you watch? B, what do you think it is about Instagram lives that makes celebrities just say some some shit they probably shouldn't? And C, what do you think the next Instagram live Woodley and Rogers should do together should be about? They've only done one as a couple, as far as I can recall. It was the one about his Jeopardy hosting mm-hmm. possibilities. And it was so strange. He seemed so irritated with her. I think he like pushed her dog off the couch at one point. And he was opening fan questions, but they were all the same question. It was just like, hey, Aaron, do you think you can host Jeopardy and play football? And he's like, yeah, I do. And then he would like open another one. It would be like, hey, Aaron, do you think you can um, play football and host Jeopardy? And he was like, yeah, that's a great question. I do think I can do that. <laughs> it was like, I think they just wrote those questions and like had him answer them over and over. Um, and then she, like I said, I watched some of her Saturn return one with her astrologist, but it was very long and I got kind of lost. Uh, I think the next one they should do, I mean, they need to address the people. Like they need to come together and let us know what the hell is going on. Are they, is she vaccinated? Are they still together? Why didn't he post on her birthday? That's unusual. Why didn't, you know, why didn't she mention it? Is, is her Saturn return related to her dating Aaron? I think it is. Like there's a lot of questions I have for them and I would love the opportunity to address them on Instagram Live. I do find it funny how this like couple masquerading as as a holistic duo is so like so much of the ideology is so deeply entrenched in the internet, right? The idea that we have these two people who are like, we're doing our own research and I'm in touch with nature and <laughs> and I'm thinking about the woods at all time and eating tree bark or what have you, making my own soap. But you know, you can see it in the in the phrases that they're using that you you pepper throughout this piece, right? It's like, oh, you you are you are deep in the internet lore. Oh, they're on Reddit. They're fully like on Reddit. They're in the forums. Like I, these people are very online. And I think the fact that neither of them can stop posting is perfect example of that. They're they're like in this like weird publicity storm, and they need to just go be quiet for a very long time. Or like I said, address everything on Instagram Live with me hosting. I think famous people and rich people have a lot more free time than like your normal everyday citizen. And I think that's part of the problem. I think they're just like, what do I do with my free time? And then suddenly they're, they're, you know, red pilled. Or green pilled. <laughs> One of my favorite sides in this entire piece. <laughs> I actually want to talk about the scene, Rachel, that you set up before the excellent green pill joke, because it's Shailene on the red carpet for Snowden. And some journalist puts a mic in her face and it's like, oh, like, what's your favorite conspiracy theory? And the way you describe it, you can picture it immediately is she just like dead ass is like, I have so many, but I can't talk about them now. And then as you describe, she threw a silk cape over her head and disappeared into the ether. <laughs> uh, 
And to me, this is just the biggest red flag of get off the internet. Yeah. Get off. Yeah. I mean, listen, again, I love a conspiracy. Theory. These were all harmless things before like 2017. I loved reading about like fun, uh, harmless, you know, we fake the moon landing by like, I love that shit. But like suddenly it's part of an ideology that includes Nazis. And I'm just like, what happened? How did we get here? You know, Rachel Hampton, <laughs> got any thoughts about the moon? <laughs> I would just like to say for the record that my moon landing is fake bit is indeed a bit. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we faked the moon landing. I just think it's really funny to say it. (laughs) Rachel, I do have a question for you, which is, as you were researching this, was there any theories of Shailene's and Aaron's that you came across that you were like, you know what? They, They have a point. They're making some points. I feel like when Aaron talked about his UFO experience, I was like, yeah, like, hell yeah. You know, I, of course, like I, I want everyone to, to feel comfortable and safe sharing their UFO experiences in the national press, because that's what needs to happen for us to really come to I, like the fact that the New York times is writing about UFOs and we're all like, Oh, whatever. Like that's the most upsetting. That is the real pandemic. <laughs> I do think that UFO sighting comes back to your final point, which is maybe that was when the the mission was created. Oh my God, you're right. That was that was it. They came and found him, and they're like, "We're we're coming back from the future to save you." Yeah, I take it back. I'm not the supreme conspiracy theorist on this podcast, and I need to go now. <laughs> Rachel, thank you so much for joining us. Rachel Hampton, uh, we'll talk about this later. <laughs> I'm worried. <laughs> thank you so much. That was Rachel Handler, a writer for Vulture and New York Magazine. All right, that is the show. We'll be back in your feed on Saturday, so definitely subscribe. It is the best way to never miss a dick joke, a conspiracy theory that I may or may not believe, but there will be no more Rachels. We have officially reached a carrying capacity for Rachels. However, if you have any new conspiracy theories that you think we should debunk or that I should pretend to believe is a bit, please send them to us at icymi underscore pod or email them to us at icymi at slate.com. ICYMI is produced by Daniel Schrader. We're edited by Forrest Wickman and Allegra Frank. Amber Smith is Senior Manager of Podcast Audience Development, and Alicia Montgomery is Executive Producer of Slate Podcasts. See you online. Or on a UFO. Or on the moon. Yeah, we didn't even get into Miles Teller being punched in the face in Hawaii, which is like my favorite (laughs) thing that's ever happened on the earth. (laughs) Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi. 
This is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, May the 14th. My colleague, Mark Joseph Stern, and I will be talking to some amazing guests, including Sherilyn Eiffel and a sitting state Supreme Court justice all about how originalism, a relatively recently invented way of interpreting the Constitution, has taken over the Supreme Court and radically reshaped the law. It's been doctrinal rocket fuel for the conservative legal movement and facilitated the rolling back of abortion rights, the expansion of gun rights, and the obliteration of the separation of church and state. And as another wildly consequential Supreme Court term careers to its end, the court's originalists are on a tear. But there's something you can do about it. And we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicus live for tickets. <laughs> 